This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. This week's guest is Alabama 4th District Representative Robert Adderholt, a member of the House Committee on Appropriations and Chairman of the Subcommittee on Agriculture. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, providing individualized protection on more than 290 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Congressman Robert Adderholt next. America's crop insurance industry is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. With crop prices falling, farm income plummeting, and Mother Nature wrecking havoc, the private sector crop insurance infrastructure is more important today than ever. Providing individualized protection on more than 290 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. The House Appropriations Committee has approved the fiscal year 2017 Agriculture Appropriations Bill. Committee Chairman Robert Adderholt says the appropriations process is moving ahead despite the lack of an overall budget approved by the House and Senate. We are, as you know, moved forward with the individual appropriation bills. We finished the third bill with the Ag Appropriations Bill, which was a pretty big task. Uh, it was uh, about a uh, six-hour markup for the Ag Appropriations Bill, but we got through it. And according to the uh, Chairman of Appropriation, Hal Rogers from Kentucky, uh, he wants to bring the appropriation bills individually uh, to the full committee and to the floor, and so that we're proceeding under those rules. So uh, we're operating under those uh, rules right now, and uh, we're well on our way. Without a budget, what's a possible timetable to perhaps bring this to the floor? Well, I, you know, we can uh, still bring the bills to the floor. I think it's uh, after mid-May is when we can actually bring the bills to the floor even though we don't have a bu- an overall budget number and we can operate under the budget parameters that we agreed to last fall. So we're uh, we're operating under that scenario and uh, after mid-May those bills will start coming to the floor and uh, you know we'll see we're waiting on the Senate. I know they're working on passing bills to get to the floor as well but I think the overall goal for both the House and the Senate, we want to avoid an omnibus bill that we had to pass last December. Uh, That was not a a good way to govern, and we want to try to pass individual appropriation bill, and of course that's the goal, as we always have in the appropriations process, because passing the individual bills holds the administration accountable, and uh, we can have a direction of how uh, Congress wants to spend the money, which is, of course, the way Congress is, wants to spend the money is the way the people want to spend the money because we're elected officials from those that uh, were sent here to represent our district. Are there particular items that you would suggest that might make it difficult to get this to the floor? Well, certainly you you you'll always have a handful of issues that uh, always make it more difficult. Uh, you know, one of the issues that come to mind that we always uh, grapple with is the, is the horse slaughter bill, uh, and that is a bill that uh, has been uh, somewhat attached uh to this, to the appropriations bill, it's really not a, an uh, appropriation bill per se, but uh, it is attached through no funding is used for uh, the uh, slaughter of uh, inspection for the slaughter of horses, and therefore there's it's an emotional issue and emotional issue on both sides of the aisle, um, and it's really not a Democrat or Republican issue, but uh, it's one of those issues that has the I think people have to. 
to understand what the ramifications of it is not having any horse slaughtering. But, you know, we, we hopefully that we can work through that issue and not let one issue like that stop the appropriations process, especially for, for agriculture. It is said that Speaker Ryan is committed to bringing the bills to the floor uh, for open debate for any particular number of amendments. How do you bring the agriculture bill to the floor without having some very sensitive areas to agriculture be targeted? Well, as I say, you know, anybody can bring the any kind, of, and that's the way the process has always been. We've always had an appropriate, uh, as far as I've been here, and uh, I've I've served now. Uh, this is my 19th year serving in the House, and every year that I've been here, we've always had an open process for allow members to bring. Uh, the uh, amendment that they want to bring to the floor. So it is something we we I think the speaker and the leadership has always felt important that members have a right to bring whatever issue they want to before the house and uh, bring to the preparations process. So we deal with that every year. So that's not not anything new that that Speaker Ryan is putting forward. Um, and uh, I think once we're able to explain the issues, uh, I, usually we're able to, you know, get the bill on the uh, out of the House and then, of course, on to the conference after it passes the Senate. Would you expect challenges for crop insurance or for the ARC and PLC funding? Certainly the crop insurance issue is something that you have many people in Washington, that, especially from areas that are not agriculture areas, that uh, that oppose it. And, of course, you have some people that, that support it, even though they're not in agriculture. I can't really say it across the board. But some people that are not familiar with it and know. But I think the bottom line is important that we do have crop insurance in this country so that we can make sure that we uh, have a strong agricultural base and make sure that we're not importing all of our food from overseas. And uh, we've got to have a crop insurance in place so that we can continue to have farmers that are willing to to make that investment every year and to uh, grow the crops that need to be grown or, or to raise the cro- the uh, animals that need to be raised so that we can have fresh produce and we have we can have uh, uh, ranchers and producers that are, are are working on a day-by-day basis so we're not importing. So I'm a strong supporter of crop insurance and think it's very needed. Uh, but, uh, you know, as I say, there's some people who will exploit the issue and try to uh, make it seem that uh, some people are trying to take advantage of it. I'm if people are taking advantage of it, we need to get to the bottom of it. And we need to fix it. I think there were a number of agriculture groups uh, relieved to see funding in place and left alone for the uh, FMD and MAP uh, for helping to maintain and try to grow markets. We've got a surplus of corn and soy in the country, and, and maintaining and opening markets is critical. Well, we're going to keep uh, trying to, to support that and making sure that we, uh, we uh, uh, you know, keep that open and keep that uh, uh, thriving as, as best we can. House Appropriations Committee, you had a number of amendments that were approved to the language, and one of those blocking the Grain Inspection Packers and Stockyards Administration from uh, new regulations on poultry and livestock contracting practices. Was that a, a solution looking for a problem, or is there a problem that, that some feel like need to be resolved? Well, the bottom line is that we've really not dealt with that issue for the last several years, but we're under the impression that the administration, and particularly the Secretary of Agriculture, is wanting to move forward with uh, some type of, uh, of language uh, that we're not sure what it will be. So what we were doing is uh, we're just supporting, uh, uh, we supported the amendment that Dr. Harris brought forward, and uh, it's similar to what has been in previous appropriation bills, but... Uh, 
we we were in the impression that the administration uh, had gotten the message that Congress didn't want USDA moving forward uh, with proposals that would uh, be disruptive uh, in the uh, poultry and the livestock industry. And uh, the Secretary of Agriculture stated that he has had an interest in resurrecting this issue, especially right here at the end of the administration. And so to make sure that that's not a problem, that's why this uh, amendment was brought forth and uh, it it, uh, it passed. It was a uh, you know it was a close vote, uh, but uh, at the same time, I think at the end of the day, when most most when the dust settles, I think most people understand that uh, you know there has to be. This is one of those issues where people contract freely with these integrators, and uh, of course, everybody wants to make sure that they have a uh, that they're treated that anybody that's a grower for an integrator that they're treated fairly. And I, I can tell you, for someone who represents a lot of growers, I want to make sure they're treated fairly. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there is a system there where they reward those that do well, and uh, that's what makes that makes our food. Our food production in this country uh, so good is because we do have competition in that area, and I think that's one one way that makes competition possible is through having these uh, uh, contracts uh, through the contract growers and through the uh, through the by the integrators. You did provide uh, 9.9 million dollars to start monitoring antibiotic resistance on farms. Now I'm aware that we're already testing carcass, carcasses for any residue uh, that that might be in the meat, but but specifically, what are we looking for here? Well, just a variety of things that would be uh, problematic to uh, the health and safety of all Americans. You know, any time that uh, the meat supply is uh, or the the products are in the the market. We want to make sure that there's that there's no contamination. There's nothing that's uh, uh, problematic for the American people. We have the safest food supply of any nation in the world, in my opinion. And uh, in order to maintain that, we've got to make sure that the inspections are 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 kept up to date and make sure that we have the funding for it. Some of our livestock producers were concerned about that information remaining confidential and also not being used toward new regulations. Well, we want to make sure that, uh, like I said, the bottom line is that we have a safe uh, food supply in this country, and anything that we need to do to to make sure that that uh, funding is there, uh, we're we want to move forward with it. So, but uh, we also, you know, want to protect the consumer at you know at, as the USDA needs to do that as the bottom line. Talk about the uh, SNAP program uh, and and some provisions that were or were not included. The SNAP program, of course, is a big part of the funding of this bill because uh, it is a, you know, th- this is uh, this overall funding for this uh, this bill is, uh, you know, we have discretionary and we also, of course, have the non-discretionary spending, and so we've got a total in this bill of somewhere, uh, you know, around uh, 169 billion dollars. But there's only a small portion of that. There's only a little over 20 billion that is actually discretionary. So SNAP makes up a, a big portion of that non-discretionary spending that we spend every year. And, um, of course, we would like to see more things put into play when it comes to making sure that the people who rece- receive SNAP are receiving it for the uh, right uh, reasons and that people are not abusing the system. And you know, one thing that I would ultimately like to see, what in this bill, but one thing that we have been personally, I've been supportive of, is though anybody rece- receives the 
a SNAP benefits that they would uh, uh, could undergo drug testing, or at least the states could implement that as they so choose. Right now, they are not allowed to do that. Uh, the Secretary of Agriculture has put forth a, a ruling where the states are not allowed to pass legislation to uh, do drug testing, but I think it's fair game that someone that uh, is receiving uh Snap, then they should be. Uh, if the state, if a state, state like Alabama, my home state, wants to put forward a program to make sure that the people who receive Snap are are not using drugs, then I think that's perfectly within their purview to do that. There were those who wanted to see a rule that any retailer that would receive uh, Snap uh, funds would have to stock a particular type of food and, and certain uh, certainly have healthy foods available a certain amount within the store. Well, that was one of the issues that came up the last week that, of course, certainly that is somewhat controversial when you hear it, when you first hear about it. But you've got to remember there's a lot of areas in the country that uh, are are these small, smaller stores that really don't have the ability to put just a whole variety of foods in there and therefore are limited in what they can provide to those that uh, receive SNAP. So I think we have to understand that that they're not all these big retailers uh, that have all these variety of, of foods available. And so we've got to make those that receive now funds that they were are able to shop. It, it may be a rural area, and they don't need to be hindered and have to go miles and miles away just so they can get to a, a retailer that, that uh, has products that are able to have the variety that some of the larger stores have. The administration has some concerns about the amount of sodium in food, especially toward child nutrition. Uh, there was an amendment that, that blocks those uh, advanced steps by the administration. Do you think that will hold up? Well, I, it is my hope it would. I supported the amendment. This is the one that Dr. Harris uh, uh, brought up before the committee, and of course, Dr. Harris is a physician himself, so he's someone who has some kind of remote knowledge of, of the sodium issue. He he made a very good argument in the uh, committee and talked about how there are certainly some people that need to be very controlled in how much sodium an individual has, but there's under other individuals that, that certainly have an, a little bit more leeway in their sodium intake. Uh, sodium levels are important. I mean, the, the uh, individual has to have sodium in order to be healthy. So, you know, I've, I agreed with him that it was a little bit overreaching for the administration to come in there and, and set the, these rules down when, uh, like I said, each individual is, is different. You know, he, he used the example of how just a few years ago the, the common thinking was among a lot of the in the medical community was that you don't uh, eat uh, butter and that you only eat margarine. But uh, because of the trans fat issue, now they're saying don't don't eat margarine. It's better to eat butter. So you have these things that come and go. So I, I think a common sense approach to this, and I think Dr. Harris's amendment was was a common sense approach. And uh, so I hopefully you know it will stay in there. Under your leadership, a, a, a strong emphasis on rural development and funds being appropriated in areas that certainly there is need to to enhance the lifestyle of rural America. Yes, uh, we want to make sure that we have funding in there for uh, broadband to make sure that, uh, you know, there's a lot of places around the country that we we still are lagging uh, when it comes to uh, broadband development. And, uh, of course, rural America is one of those areas. And so there is uh, uh, funding in the bill. Matter of fact, an increase in funding uh, for our U.S. that would be able to provide 
broadband for different parts of the uh, uh, country, especially rural, uh, rural areas. So um, that was something that was important uh, in the bill. Uh, coming from a rural area myself, I understand that. And uh, a lot of businesses and a lot of industry are looking now to make sure that area has uh, broadband uh, coverage uh, before they will locate it into an area. So this is a way to try to help economic development for rural America. One of the stickier points inside the language was that of funds set aside to help consumers understand the benefit of biotechnology. I can't help but feel like that this has some related items uh, uh, to the question with regarding to food labeling that is going on in the Senate Agriculture Committee. Now, uh, how do you feel about spending money in that area and how strong is the opposition? The, the bottom line is that when you when you talk to people about this issue, uh, there's a lot of misconception out there. And uh, uh, genetically modified or, uh, organisms uh, have been shown time and time again to be safe. Uh, and uh, but you do have some members of Congress that uh, uh, that try to make this an issue. But uh, I was there. Secretary Vilsack. Uh, Secretary of, uh, of the of Agriculture was uh, in one of our hearings earlier in the in the spring. Uh, asked him about the safety of uh, GMO crops. He agreed that science supports their safety. And uh, you know, one thing, for example, I mean, a lot of people are now eating. You, it's not uncommon to get a seedless watermelon. That that is a, a genetically modified organism. And uh, I don't think anyone has has said that those are unsafe and that they're uh, not. Uh, uh, that people shouldn't eat them, but at the same, and I don't even think tw- think twice about them. So there's a misconception out there about GMOs and among consumers, and uh, that's really where the real problem is. This bill seeks to clear that up, and we try to educate people about the safety of crops and make sure that uh, that uh, people know that GMOs are safe. Uh, they've been proven safe. And there's no reason to have concern about them. Chairman Anderholt, we want to thank you very much for spending time with us here on Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and so you have an open forum. Well, thanks for uh, for let me just talk a little bit about this issue. I mean, one one of the things that uh, I think I'm most proud of about this uh, about this serving on this this committee and and chairing the agricultural subcommittee is the fact that uh, the food supply of this country is safe. We produce. Uh, the the best food I think and the safest food of anywhere in the world and uh, we have great farmers and ranchers and producers across the country that are able to to uh, produce this uh, rural America is something that uh, I think we we uh, take for granted so much of the time because we go into the grocery stores we go into the uh, the where we uh, the markets and get our food and don't think twice about the safety of it. And in order for that to, to hold true, we have to make sure that we have a uh, uh, we have the Department of Agriculture that's doing its job and making sure they're they're being responsive. And so uh, you know it's something as I say we we don't have to worry about our food supply. We can uh, we can do our jobs on a day to day basis and know that at the end of the day that uh, we can go to the grocery store and there's a plentiful supply. So. Um, we're thankful for the farmers, the ranchers, and the producers across this country, and uh, working with them is a real pleasure and having a chance to make sure that we can grow food here in this country and that we can raise livestock in this country and that we don't have to import it from other parts around the world. Our thanks to Alabama 4th District Representative Robert Adderholt, our guest this week on Open Mic. 
AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by America's Crop Insurance Industry, providing individualized protection on more than 290 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Daly.